so last week he was talking about Ayatul Jawadi was talking about how Qalb uh, Salim is the only way and why? where do you get that from? the Quran the Quran speaks about how um, <clears throat> nothing is going to be able to help you except man atallah bi qalbin salim yawma la yanfa'u malun wala banun illa man atallah bi qalbin salim or about Prophet Ibrahim about how he went to his Lord with qalbun salim you know, the question was what's the definition of al-qalbus salim the question was what is the definition of al-qalb as-salim and the answer came in a hadith that Al-Qalb Salim Alladhi Yalqa Rabbahu Wa Laysa Fihi Ahadun Siwa A person who meets his Lord and there's no one else in their heart except him Okay, so that's the definition of Al-Qalb Salim How do we get there though? Until Jawadi starts speaking <coughs> uh, and sounding very poetic and lofty and uh, I'm going to have a reservation about that Then he fixes it later I, w- I will say uh, so let's see how, how he enters this this uh, subject of how do we attain al-qalbus salim. Um, he says that the the path for tazkiyatun nafs, the path for refining the soul and cleansing the soul and taking it away from any darkness is the path of is the path of Disconnecting from everything other than Allah. Okay, this is the path that you're giving us. This is the solution that you're giving us. But the solution is the problem right now, because al-qalb salim says it's the hadith said al-qalb salim is the qalb, the heart that meets its Lord while there's nothing else, nobody else in that heart. And then when you're telling us the way to attain to refine the soul to reach this point, you say it is. To disconnect everything from other than Allah. Well, that's what that's what al-qalb salim was. That's the definition of al-qalb salim. How do I get there? What does it mean to disconnect? How is that attained? It doesn't say it. He says because there's if you want to gather the love of other than Allah in your heart and also have a pure heart, it's not possible. One or the other. Anything other than Allah in the heart is a dust that sits on the heart. Okay. What else do you have to say? He says <clears throat> that you have to feel that you are in need of panah. You're in need of refuge. You're in need of a home that's safe that you're in. That kind of need that you have. You get yourself in a, in a safe home. If you get yourself in a safe home, you have a sound heart. Okay. What does that mean? Well, he starts giving examples of how the home that has to do with Allah is a very uh, safe home to be in. He gives a couple of verses. He says, فَمَنْ يَكْفُرُ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ إِسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى Whoever turns away from taghut and believes in Allah, they have clenched the rope of Allah, that strong rope of Allah. Okay, الْعُرْوَةُ الْوُثْقَى <clears throat> okay, 
What else? Woman yuslim wajahu ilallah wa huwa muhsan. Whoever submits themselves to Allah while they are good people and righteous people, they have clenched the rope of that that strong rope of God. Okay, he is proving to us that this is the this is the, this is how you're supposed to do it. That you have to cling on to something. When you cling on to something that your that your life depends on, how much are you going to be thinking about that thing versus other things, right? So, for example. When you, wow, that's a big mosquito. <laughs> it can barely fly. It sucks so many people's blood. All right, so these are the less dangerous ones, though they say. Um, yeah, <laughs> what was I talking about? So, what did I say? What was the last thing I said? Mosquito. Gosh darn mosquito. <laughs> that, that mosquito wasn't mosquito. It was shaitan. <laughs> trying to distract us. Um, yeah, so when you are, if, if, if let's say you are um, falling from a cliff or something, right, and there's this rope that you're hanging on, right, you're going to be thinking about that rope and only that rope because your whole life and existence depends on it. Yeah, this strong rope that is attached to something is the only way you're going to survive. Okay? And so because everything of you depends on that, that's the only thing on your mind. If they open up your heart, what are they going to find? Rope. <laughs> that's all they're going to find. If a person, they feel like the only way that they'll survive is if they have this job, and this job lays in their boss's hands, that boss is everything for them. Al-Jawadi says that that's the type of, that's what you have, that's, that's what I mean by disconnecting from everything else. That kind of feeling. And we have to understand that, okay, I need a safe refuge. I need something that I can cling on to. And that is the rope of God, the house of God, whatever you want to call it. That's the only time I will really, really pay, you know, have, every, uh, have everything else other than God cut out from my heart. But the question is, once again, you have not explained how to reach a point where I feel like this is it. That He is my everything. That Allah is my everything. He is that refuge. He is that rope. He is all that. He doesn't say it. Until he reaches like this point. And so when I was reading, I was just like, Oh, you're just repeating yourself. But he reaches this point where he says, and I was waiting to find and see if he says anything other than other akhlaq, what other akhlaq teachers say. So he says, <clears throat> there are two conditions to live in such a home, to have such a thing. Now it'll take time probably to reach this point. Nonetheless, though, this is the only way you can reach this point. He says that we have to have two things. I'll say the Arabic and then I'll explain. It's al-husn al-fi'li and al-husn al-fa'li. Fi'l means an action. Husn fi'li means uh, the deed has to be good. We have to have a good, good deed. And also we have to have husn fa'li. The one who's doing good also has to have goodness in them. In other words, you know, belief, proper belief. Belief and action. Allah Bahjad would always say, for this path you have to have taqwa, taqwa in belief and in action. So it goes back to what Allah Bahjad does all the time. It goes back to other akhlaq teachers, the ones that we would see and go and sit with all the time. They would always say there's only one way, that you have to be mu'min and do good things. That's all it is. That means good things equals not bad things. Haram is out of the picture. So like, okay, Alhamdulillah, Jawadi didn't say anything else other than this, right? 
But we don't like to hear this. We cringe when we... We might even cringe. I might cringe if I hear this. Why? Because look, I have 135 pages in this book. Give me a secret that no one else has heard of. Hope there is no other secret. So once again, the same thing we always talk about. That you better take care of your wajib and haram. That's it. That is the main ingredient. So he says, husn husn. He makes it nice, you know, he makes these, uses these interesting words. But in the end, it's the same thing. And he goes on, he says, uh, the, 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 the individual, uh, the face of his existence should be looking towards God. And his eyes should be looking at the things that he has in mind for this individual. Okay, that which one of these Allah wants and likes and which one does He not like? Well, what are you talking about? Or in other words, what is it halal and what is it haram? Okay, so we've gone 135 pages and this is what you're telling us? Yup. If you're disheartened, we were also disheartened when we would uh, ride all the way to Tehran for Dars al-Akhlaq and we would hear the same things from these ulama. Because that's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. We have to look at our daily life and see where we're, where we're messing up. There are details. Ayatullah Bahjad says, says that the haram and wajib is a lot. And of course we get it from our maraja, what the wajib and haram are. But he says, look, if you smile in the face of a person who's sinning in a way that you are doing ta'yid of their sin, you're supporting their sin, then that is haram itself. So if I'm, for example, liking something on Facebook, someone doing something haram, or I don't know, just recently I saw some, like there was this couple that just got married and there's like some PDA stuff on their Facebook and I saw that members of our community had even liked it. Well, if that's seen, there's an if here and the discretion is not on me, it's on, on that person themselves. If liking a post even is seen as ta'yid, like good job or something, if it's seen as such, that's, that falls under haram as well. Yeah? Or that profile picture that I put up that, you know, I'm, I'm not observing the hudud shari'i of, of, you know, this is for those individuals who want more. Yeah, I'm not going to judge anybody. I'm going to say that this person is now going to Jahannam. That's, a, that's between them and Allah. But even, it comes down to details like this even. Yeah? Sometimes you'll find that religious uh, muhajjaba sisters in some of their profile pictures, all of the boundaries are not uh, adhered to, right? Okay, once again, someone might say, why do you keep going back to this hijab example? Well, whatever, it's one of those wajibat that's apparent, you can see, you can gauge, because it's black and white in the books. And so this is an example of that. With the guys, there will be other examples, okay? We are beyond this whole idea of, oh my God, look, he went towards the sisters again, he wanted to give them a hard time. That's not, we're not this is just examples. These are just examples. The brothers will have it another way. right? What we're trying to get right now is that Allah Bahjad says it comes down to these details. Or else, let's just close this book and walk away. Because if you want to do sail and suluk, without these things it won't work. So all of a sudden, those little harams that we always thought the harams are there, so that we don't go to Jahannam or we go to Jahannam, all of a sudden take on a different color. No, these are my steps towards Him. That little thing that I don't do when I know I'm not supposed to, is a step towards him. That's me telling myself that he is my refuge and that's why I gotta keep him happy. Who wants, who's falling off a cliff and then while they're falling, they grab onto that rope but now they wanna play some weird uh, hot potatoes with that rope that they're, that they're clinging onto. You don't play hot potato with the rope when your life depends on it, or whatever that game is, you know? You're moving your hands up and down like 
you know, let me try this out, you know. No, 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 you're not going to take any risks. You're going to take all precautions necessary. Same thing here, the wajib and haram of Allah. <clears throat> so he says, he said, I gave you examples of that strong home in the Quran, that urwatul wuthqa. He says, but if you don't have urwatul wuthqa, what do you have? مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ كَمَثَلِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ اتَّخَذَتْ بَيْتَ You either have that strong home, or when you're falling off that cliff, you're hanging by a thread. Of course, the thread will snap in a split second in a moment. It won't even hold you for a second. Now here the Qur'an says, those people who rely on other than Allah, it's like the ankabut. It's like the spider that relies on its home. You know, the spider is sitting there thinking it's on top of the world. All you need to do is blow at it at its uh, at its uh, web, and everything goes down the drain. And so he says, he makes a little thing here. This he makes a little point here. I like. He says, when you have instead of that strong home. You have a, 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 a spider web as your as your what you're relying on. Spider webs not only are they not reliable, they can't do anything for you. Not only that, but when you walk through them and you want, you, you, it's it's happened to you before, right? You're walking and then you feel like there's something on your face. It's like you walked into a spider web, you didn't notice it, and then it's just on you and it just holds you down. It gets on your nerves, or like that mosquito right now. <laughs> we call him. That's the Mizan mascot. No, let him, let, let him be. Let it be. Uh, I think it's. Uh, oh, we have to find another mascot now. <laughs> so, um, this uh, this ankabut, uh, this spider web, not only does it not hold you, it's a hindrance. It's a it's it's bothersome. It clings onto you and doesn't let you breathe properly. I don't know if you ever happened have that have happened to you when you get spider webs on you. It's disgusting. He says, anything other than Allah, these connections and stuff, that's what they are. They cling on to you. Not that you're clinging on to them necessarily. They get on your nerves. They cause problems for you. Alright. <clears throat> and so all of the problems, he says, goes back to lack of ta'abud. Lack of being an abd. End of story. An abd only looks at the satisfaction of his mawla, of his master. End of story. Once again, this is for those who want more. If a person wants to just take this life as, you know, the, what they want to get out of this life is to avoid going to Jahannam, we, we, then we don't have to go this far. We don't have to worry about, oh, ta'abud, ta'abud, necessarily. Be an abd, be an abd. Although even there, to avoid Jahannam, you have to be an abd. But there's some hope that, you know, there's some forgiveness and all of that stuff. I mess up, I get back up. But... If a person wants to do suluk, then for sure this is where it starts. You cannot not be an abd and think that the mawla is going to help you in that. Because you're not ready. It'll hurt you. It's not even good for you if he wants to take your hand in this path of uh, spiritual wayfaring. Alright. He, he goes into, he moves into a very important subject here. And that is a teacher, a sage, let's call it, that we're supposed to have in this path. Is that true? Is that not true? What's going on? Where does this come from? This question, where it comes from, is now these books usually they're not translated to English, but when you go into those books that have been written on the lives of ulama, and not just ulama, but those spiritual wayfaring ulama, 
what you find is they are all emphasizing on what? A teacher. Not a teacher like this, like stands up here and teaches, but rather let's call it an instructor or a trainer even, okay, who knows the in and out. He knows how to navigate there. He knows the different things that will come up and how you're supposed to deal with them. So people are reading about these things and they feel like, wow, like that's what it's all about. So now they're going around looking for, if they're in Qom or Najaf, they're going looking for that spiritual sage that's going to show them the in and outs of things. All right? But he makes a point here, and I, I, I totally, as, a, as nothing compared to him, I agree with him on this one a lot, how he approaches this. Before getting into some of the examples and everything, I want to share this with you, that um, we think that, and this is true, those books that talk about teacher, instructor, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, ustad, uh, these are these the, this ustad that these books talk about has to do with those people who have put behind them not just ubudiyah and ta'abud and being an abd and the wajib and haram. Not only that, they've gone further and there's other things that they've done of that hierarchy of things that have to be done that everyone knows what those are, by the way like Tahajjud and Salat al-Layl, for example, like Dhikr, like Bain al-Tulu'ayn, all these good things, they have put these things behind them. Now it's come to a point where the smallest things can make a difference. Yeah, it's a, There's a difference between me and a bodybuilder that has like this crazy workout uh, and also regimen that he has to follow uh, every day. It's different. For him... Every little detail will affect his physique. But a person who's not into that kind of stuff, um, none of this is going to have an effect anyway. A person has to have done a lot of work to reach a point where those ustads are necessary. we got to understand this. So you got these people walking into the house for like the first year. They walk in, they're looking for ustad. Get out of my face. The best you can look for and get, and a person like me even, first year, 20 year, whatever, is to find a person who has done the job themselves and just be in their presence and get from their nur as much as you can. We have known uh, great scholars who we know could have been teachers, but they didn't have any students. Why? They would say it. They would say, I don't have any uh, students. But you're the student of Allah. He has passed the torch on to you. Yeah, the, the, the answer is very clear. They would say, there is no one out there who's ready for it. It's crazy stuff. So we have this, you know, we get this spiritually high sometimes and we read about these things and um, this much dhikr, this, this much dua, this much uh, fasting or whatever that this ustad gave his student. That is not for a person like me. And that is not something I should pursue necessarily. But, yes, it is true. That once you get to the point where you need something like that, you need it. And that's why people like Allama Qadi, rahmatullah he says, if you spend half your life, it's a famous quote by him, Half your life trying to find an ustad, it's worth it. Just to find the right ustad, it's worth it. Hmm? Or you'll find others when you talk to them. I still remember one of those uh, teachers that we would go to. Um, I don't like using the word teacher. One of those uh, sages, let's call them, that we would go to. Although it didn't work on us. It's very clear. It didn't, whatever they did didn't work on us. But... We would go to them. Like one of my friends had asked Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli once when he saw him in the street. He told me, he said, I saw Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli in the street. I asked him, 
this ustad that we're going to, me and my friend and others we're going to, what do you know about him? And he said, I've heard he is insan saz. He, make, he, he, is a, he makes insans, right? Insan in the real sense. That means he knows he's on top of the game. He's on top of his game. Hmm? This is what they're after. Now, did we benefit? No. Because he didn't see anything in us to give us <laughs> more. But all in all, uh, I'm trying to say is that this idea is out there. So what are we supposed to be after? What are we supposed to be after? Well, for people like me, anything works. Uh, either myself or my brother it was. Not, this, not the sheikh brother, the other brother. He had, because he was really into this stuff, by the way, our middle brother. He had once asked, or maybe it was myself who asked Ayatollah Bahjad this, about Ustad. Okay? Tell us about Ustad. How can we find Ustad? We, you know, we were very, you know, trying our best to do, to get spiritual and stuff. And he said, Vazahatra as harkas mitavan porseed. The wadahat, the clear stuff out there, you can ask from anybody. What are you worried so worried about finding the right ustad? <laughs> finding the right ustad. Don't worry about it. Because it's clear. That hierarchy after being an abd is clear to an extent. And then he said the, the things that are not clear, you have to do ijtihad in yourself. Which is crazy because the, the, we didn't know there was a akhlaqi ijtihad too. And you'll know what to do, kind of, that kind of thing. So point being for us, what we need to do is what we have to do is try to find an ustad in the sense of the one who knows the basics very well and can tell us you know, what those basics are. Uh, Jawad is like one of them. He's, that's what we're learning from him right now. We're trying to learn from him. A person who will make sure that I'm not worried about anything else until I've taken care of the wajib and haram completely. It is khianat. It is wrong for a teacher to start talking about some crazy stuff when they know that the people are still starting, struggling with wajib and haram. And that's what gets, get, it gets a little worrying sometimes for, for me. When I look around, I see that there are some people that are always speaking about some crazy spiritual stuff. Well, that gives people a good feeling, but it's not going to get them anywhere, and it might, even back, it might even hurt them. So ustad, in that sense, is the simple stuff. Take care of your wajib and haram. And then if you really reach that point, then Salat on, on, at, at its prime time. That's the second thing they'll tell you. And then they'll tell you, do some khidmah of khalq and help people and so on. They'll tell you that certain dhikrs say them. Not a crazy, not a number, a specific number. Just do a dhikr and remember Allah a little bit more after Fajr Salat. Things like that. Certain nawafil. All these kinds of things is what they'll tell you. What is more important for me because we all know these things, is to find someone that I can go to who has actually done these things in their life and try to get some of that nur to come to me. Nur meaning motivation here. Yeah, when I see them, I feel like, I can, I, I feel like okay, I'm ready to go. I, I might have shared, you, shared this with you, that the ustad that we would go to, I asked him once, I said, what would you do when you were in the presence of Allah Tabatabai? He said, we would just look at him. And that's all we would do. We would just look at him. That's all that, and that was enough for us. That says a lot. So what I'm going to try to do is try to find an ustad that's not going to hurt me, that's all, and knows those basics and has practiced them in their life, these three things. Not going to hurt me, why do I say that? Once again, because personally growing up myself, there was always different ways 
different approaches and methodologies when it came to spiritual wayfaring. For example, second year of Hauza, this same book, as I told you the first day we started this class, this book, I took it to one of my senior friends in the house. I said, this is akhlaq. I want to learn this. Thank God we didn't do it this because this is complicated. Akhlaq isn't this complicated. This is for later, once you've tried to, you've figured certain things out. Those teachers and ustads who will highlight certain things and give them importance over other things and don't, they can't tell the priorities, they are, that, that's a problem. And I've seen it firsthand and it's affected me firsthand even. And before you know it, this person who wants to spiritually grow is so confused what to do. But then there are some who get it right. There are some who get those steps and that sequence right. For them, that's, that's for, for me, that's an ustad. So it's not just a person who's gone and done, that, done what matters. It's more than that. How are they able to take other people's hand and help them? I'll give you an example. There's a person by the name of Rajab Ali Khayyat. Right? Rajab Ali Khayyat is a person who, who, who lived that life of piety. Right? But the things he would do sometimes is not something that's recommended by some of the ulama akhlaq when they see me. This book on his life is translated maybe to English even. And you read it, so one of the things in there is that one time his, his family was you know, hungry and, so, but he, and he had some food and there was a dog that he saw that was hungry, he gave the food to the dog. Things like that. Okay, now someone will read that. That's between him and Allah and he knows what he's doing. But uh, that is not a priority right now in that spiritual wayfaring of everyone else who's reading this book now. So there's a problem with the books that are translated, as I've said before. And there's also problems to this with these ustads. They don't get what matters right. They don't get the priorities straight. And so they, they'll say things to people which are not what that person needs right now. Yeah. This is all in the realm of the basics. Yeah, in the realm of those very, very daqiq, and very precise things that every little bit matters, oh, if a person becomes an ustad there, while they're not qualified, then they're in big trouble. Allama Qazi, once again, it's a famous story that's in the books, where he had called out one of these sages, and he was a sage, but he just doesn't know how to give, make others sages. Right? He's a sage for himself, he can't make others into sages. He had given advice to someone to do certain a'mal, that person eventually died. And Allah Maqazi said it's all on him. How dare you give a person prescriptions that they're not, it's not time for? Do ihtiyat. Say, I, I can't help you. Yeah. So anyway, this is beyond what we want to cover here. This is what I'm, the stuff I'm getting into, this last part. It's not very important. Anyway, I want a teacher who uh, can help me with the basics. Sometimes there's no Allah Maqazi anymore to help me with the detailed stuff. There's no Ayatollah Bachat. Or there is, but he's not talking. Yeah, even in these cases they say Allah will come to your aid. Just do your part, the time will come for the rest. And this is the point that he wants to drive here. He gives about 7-8 examples of how, look, when we're on this path, especially in the beginning, everything can be our teacher. And, I, and while I was reading these examples, I remembered Abu Bahjad saying, Abu Bahjad says, do your part, which is the wajib and haram and those things. Then, tarudivar mishan ustad. The walls and the doors will become your ustad even. That basic ustad that I was talking about. What examples does Allah Jawadi give? He says sometimes you're reciting Quran and all of a sudden a verse just hits you in the face right? and it affects you. This is your ustad right now. Now once again, we don't want to become obsessive and like think that everything can be an ustad. Like everything I look at, oh my God, this mic is telling me something right now. No, no, no. That's not, that's not how it works either. No, you get on with your life. 
something will move you, then that will be your astan in that moment. That will be your motivation in that moment. Ya ayyuhal nas, ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, ya ahl al-kitab. All these things where the Qur'an addresses us directly, addresses us indirectly, he says can be an ustad. Sometimes that has an effect. Sometimes I'm just overhearing somebody um, and they're talking about something and I happen to join them and then boom, they say something and it really uh, has that effect on me. Sometimes someone comes and asks me a question and then that question itself moves me. For, for example, I am seen as a pious individual who has no connections, no... Uh, uh, I'm not attached to dunya too much, but I know deep down inside I am attached to my whatever it is, my car, my phone or something. So someone just comes to me and says, oh, how can I work on myself so I real come to the point and realization that really everything is going to be funny and, and will be destroyed except Allah. And so that itself is a wake-up call from, and all of a sudden I'm shaken, right? He says that can be. You can use your imagination here. He says... For example, seeing seeing something, seeing a scene, hearing a po- some poetry, because you know some of these po- poems are very lofty, and the power of poetry is something else. Even when it comes to Irfan, some of these Irfani poems are crazy. They are crazy nice. Being in the presence of a refined soul, things like that. He says these are all your ustad, and so he says. Knowledge is of two types. Suri and Ghaibi. Zahiri and Ma'nawi. Two types. Suri and Zahiri means it's outward. Versus Ghaibi and unseen and Ma'nawi, which means spiritual or inner. Alright, so those outward knowledges and sciences like what? Biology? Math? He doesn't give those examples. He says those outward ones like Fiqh, (laughs) Usul, Tafsir, falsafa, like even these are considered suri sciences. They're not gonna. They they don't necessarily entail proper growth, right? They need to be used in the proper way, and then they might yield that. But all in all, in and of themselves, they're not something that have value in and of themselves. He says, if a person wants to learn these, what do they do? They go to the right ustad for it, to the right teacher and professor for it. But sometimes a person is thirsty and is after something that they want, that they're missing and lacking. This also needs an ustad. But this ustad is not going to be always an akhlaq teacher that sits there and talks to you about akhlaq. At a certain time with a certain book that he's reading off of, he's talking about me. <laughs> 7.30 Tuesdays with this book. No. Sometimes it is a ghaybi mu'allim. Sometimes it is an unseen teacher through different means that will get the message to the person who is wayfaring. Yeah. And finally, let's end with this paragraph here. It says that, uh, look, you, someone might get upset. Like, why is this the case? I want to learn this just like everything else in the books. He says, look, Akhlaq and spiritual growth is something that actually is taking place in you. There is actual intervention by God in you. There is no guidance without divine intervention. Just learning about the straight path, learning about God is not enough for me to actually grow. Growth requires divine intervention. He says, that the akhlaq, the akhlaq, akhlaq lessons, quote-unquote, 
are actually given by Waliullah. Who's Waliullah on earth? Yeah, the Imam or the Holy Prophet. So, he is like Laylatul Qadr, which is lost and hidden amongst everybody. So just like you can't just pinpoint somebody and be like, okay, Alhamdulillah, I found my Ustad. This is him. At this time and this day and with this book, I'm going to get there. He says, no, that's not how it works. Just like Laylatul Qadr, you don't know exactly when it is, but you know if you get it, if you do what you're supposed to do by covering all those nights, you know, he'll eventually take your hand. Laylatul Qadr will take your hand. Here also, you do your part. Be ready. Yes, be ready. He says the condition is to be awake and ready, waiting for it. And I wish he had also added that the other condition is what we just mentioned a page ago. You have to be an abd as well. You have to have that stickiness. So when it's out there, it sticks to you. If a person has these conditions, it'll come to them. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. We got this. So we shouldn't have this expectation of having an ustad at a certain place and at a certain time. No, no, no. Akhlaq is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth needs divine intervention. It happens through the waliullah. And that is something that is not bound by space and time and book and all that kind of stuff. Any questions? No? Well, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Salawat.